the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Let Us Reason, a Christian-Muslim dialogue with host Al Fadi. Let Us Reason is a unique show utilizing theology, apologetics, and evangelism to reach Muslims for Christ by comparing and contrasting Christian and Muslim doctrines. And now, your host, Al Fadi. Watching it live. And those of you who are listening to it on radio, by the way, if you want to watch uh, this also on video, you can always go to my YouTube channel, Sira International. And today actually is April 26th. You're welcome to go and see uh, that particular video from our studios. With me here is Brother Anthony Rogers, and we're talking about Mark's Christology, meaning the Gospel of Mark, and how he addressed the deity and the divinity of Christ. That's what I mean by Christology here. And in the first part, um, Anthony did an amazing job, as always, to uh, just unpack for us uh, just the beginning of the Gospel of Mark, the prologue of the Gospel of Mark, and tying that back to the Old Testament, Exodus 23.20. And I would argue that Exodus 23.20 also leads you to Judges chapter 2, verses 1 to 5, if you want to really gain a better understanding of this uh, messenger of the covenant whom basically revealed to us even in a more amplified way in Malachi chapter 3, verse 1. And that's what Mark was capitalizing on, not to mention, of course, Isaiah chapter 40, verses 1 to 3, and even from Isaiah 40 all the way to Isaiah 55, we're talking about the uh, suffering servant or the servant servant, uh, and uh, Jesus Christ is the one who fulfills all of that. With that in mind, uh, I want to also bring your attention to uh, another uh, special guest that is going to join us, possibly towards the end of this podcast or the beginning of the next live stream, which is immediately after this one. And that's our dear brother, David Wood. So hopefully everyone will stick around. So brother, thank you, of course, for uh, that demonstration of the uh, uh, Christology in Mark from the prologue alone. Uh, What example you think you can give to our viewers as a teaser again, because you and I have agreed that later this year, we're going to do an entire video series on this topic. Yeah. Mark uh, 645 through 52, I think is a really good example. And it's just one of many, but it, I think helps people get into this. uh, And you want to talk about that uh, right now? Yes. If you can jump into it, that'll be great. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So in keeping with Mark's theme verses, if you look at Mark 6.45 through 52, you have this account of what scholars will refer to as the sea-walking pericope. And actually, it's uh, another account of Jesus showing his authority over the winds and the waves. One of the questions that keeps coming up in Mark's gospel is, who is this man? And in, in Mark 4, when Jesus commands uh, the winds and the waves, the, the people say, who is, this that, uh, who is this man that even the winds and the waves obey him? Mm-hmm. And Mark uses these questions that are being asked by people as a foil 
right? Their intent is to sort of trigger you to ask that same question. Who is this man? At the same time, you're supposed to know who he is already because Mark's told you. Mark told you as a reader what the people in the narrative do not already know. He's told you that he's the Lord from the Old Testament, the Lord of the Exodus. And so you you have this uh, occasion where Jesus stills the winds and the waves in Mark 4, but then in Mark 6, he does something similar, showing his mastery over the sea. Now, in this account, and, and I'll just read it really quickly, I think you should have all of it before you uh, to know what I'm talking about, but it says, uh, immediately, this is after he fed thousands of people in the wilderness, by the way, just like God did uh, at the time of the Exodus, it says, immediately he made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side, to Bethsaida, while he sent the multitude away. And when he had sent them away, he departed to the mountain to pray. Now, when evening came, the boat was in the middle of the sea, and he was alone on the land. Then he saw them straining at rowing, for the wind was against them. Now about the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea and intended to pass by them. And when they saw him walking on the sea, they supposed it was a ghost and cried out, for they all saw him and were troubled. But immediately he talked with them and said to them, be of good cheer. It is I do not be afraid. Then he went up into the boat to them and the wind ceased. And they were greatly amazed in themselves beyond measure and marveled, for they had not understood about the loaves because their heart was hardened. When they had crossed over, they came to the land of Gennesaret and anchored there. And the account uh, goes on a few more verses, but the the significant portion is what I've already read. There are several things that should stand out to people uh, about this narrative. And again, this is a repeat of what I said in the previous broadcast. I think people often don't read very closely, so some of these things are things that people will easily miss. But the first thing that stands out is the omniscience of Jesus, according to this narrative. Right? Mark, in numerous ways, shows us that Jesus has uh, prescience or uh, divine foresight uh, or a divine ability to see beyond what would uh, ordinarily be seen by others. Uh, notice, for example, that uh, first of all, we're told that it was evening, which is a word that refers to the time after sunset, uh, which is just to say that it had already become dark. You know, secondly, it tells us that a strong wind had arisen, which ordinarily means that uh, the waves would have been in an uproar, crashing against the ship and tossing it around, uh, something Matthew and John both state in their parallel accounts more explicitly. But finally, Mark tells us that the disciples were, by that time, all the way out in the middle of the sea, in other words, a distance of about three to four miles away. And yet, in spite of the impediment of the darkness, the great headwind, the fury of the waves, the ships being, being tossed, uh, and being at least three miles away, we're told that Jesus saw the disciples straining at the oars, right? So it's nighttime. They're three to four miles out. The wind and the waves are, are all uh, you know, a flutter. And it says, as matter of factly, you know, Jesus saw them straining at the oars. You know, who is this man that in the darkness he can see these disciples three miles away having trouble at the oars? Well, then he goes on, and uh, you know, he tells us other things. But this sort of thing is seen elsewhere in Mark, by the way. Uh, in Mark two eight, we're told that Jesus said to the paralytic man, "Son, your sins are forgiven you." 
And then we're told that the religious leaders were reasoning in their hearts, who does this man think that he is, right? That he can just forgive sins, like as if he were God. And then Mark tells us that Jesus, knowing within himself what they were thinking, responded to them. So Jesus knows the hearts of men. And I'm not going to give you all the other examples in Mark where you see this, but uh, this is a common theme in Mark. In fact, some passages are even misread in Mark when this is the whole point, right? The, in, in the story in Mark 5, a lot of people think that Jesus is being portrayed as ignorant there, right? Because a woman touches him, and at one point in the story, Jesus said, who touched me? But uh, really what's going on there is the whole thing that you're supposed to be shocked at is Jesus is being pressed by this crowd. A woman touches him from behind, mm-hmm. and then uh, Jesus says, you know, who touched me as he's turning to look at the woman, right? And the Greek is pretty de- uh, definitive here. It's saying he turned specifically with the intention of looking at the woman. And as he's doing that, he says, who touched me, eliciting a response from her. And the disciples marvel at this. They say, you see the crowd pressing on you at all sides. And, you know, you're asking who touched you as, as if you know that some specific act of touching you, you know, ought to draw your attention or something. I mean, the whole point of the story is not that Jesus is ignorant, but that he shouldn't know that this whole thing had happened, but he does know it, right? So the first thing you see in this account is Jesus' omniscience, right? Now, a second thing you see in the account is Jesus' omnipotence, right? You see this most obviously from the fact that he's walking on the water, right? In the Old Testament, in the book of Job, we're told that God alone, this is a direct quote, spreads out the heavens and treads on the waves of the sea. Exactly. In the Septuagint, it actually says he walks upon the sea as if it were a floor, right? Like he walks atop the cross of the atop the pat or the the top of the waters. Um, the other thing is indicated by the fact that uh, uh, you know the wind uh, is stilled and stopped as soon as Jesus steps on the boat. Moreover, notice that as soon as Jesus steps on the boat. The boat's at the other side of the of the sea now. So, actually, think think about this. Remember, the disciples are trying to get across the sea, but they're struggling to get across it because of the winds. How is it that Jesus catches them? Right, walking on. It's not just that he walks on the sea; he's able to catch them so much so that he's about to overtake them. He's going to pass by them. Right. So apparently the impediment of the wind was no impediment to Jesus. Right. And then when Jesus steps on the boat, immediately it's at the other side of the sea. So, I mean, you're supposed to see a picture here of Christ's omnipotence. But here's where it gets really good. Uh, One of the things that puzzles people when they look at this text is that statement that Jesus intended to pass by them. People think that Jesus is going to leave them in the lurch. You know, it's like I'm walking by Al and I see him, you know, on the ground that, you know, maybe he's been attacked by muggers and it it says, I intend to pass by him or something, you know, I'm just going to leave Al uh, sitting there. It's almost like that's how people think, uh, you know, Jesus is going to act here in the account, but this is deliberate language. The language of passing by is Old Testament Exodus language. Remember in the book of Exodus, when Moses asked God to show him his glory, God said to Moses, no man can see my glory and live. 
but I will pass by you and declare my name to you. Wow, interesting. And he does this, yeah. right, while, while Moses is, is hidden in the cleft of a rock. Well, here, of course, Christ's divine glory is veiled by his humanity, but he's going to pass by them, and he does so by declaring his name to them. The, the literal Greek of Mark 6, when, when it says that Jesus uh, said to them, be of good cheer, it is I, don't be afraid. The literal Greek there is, be of good cheer, I am. The divine name, right? He, he got, Jesus says to them, I am, don't be afraid. Now, there, there's one more point here, and I don't know if you want to interject before I make it. Not at all, brother. I mean, one... I'm enjoying this, and I hope people are, are noticing what's going on. Folks, uh, Anthony is unpacking just one pericope, he called it, which is a technical term for kind of like, let's call it a passage here, from Mark chapter 6, starting from verse 45 all the way to 52. It's If you have like the ESV Bible, it will say Jesus walks on the water. You know, that's the section basically that is uh, Anthony's referring to. And he's already showing you the omni-attributes of God demonstrated in Christ. And the last one of those, the fact that Jesus made a statement in the NSV. It says he meant to pass by them. In the translation, he, read, he intended to pass by them. And he was drawing a correlation to the act that took place between Moses and Yahweh when Moses says, I want to see you. And God says, you know, you cannot really survive, basically, if you see me, but I'll let you see uh, the back of my glory, technically speaking. And he passed by Moses. Yep. Go ahead, brother. Right. So remember in the former broadcast, how we set this up, we looked at Isaiah 40, Malachi 3, Exodus 23, and said that Mark has these passages in view as he opens up his gospel. What's uh, uh, significant then is if you go back to Isaiah 40 through 55, there are numerous passages that are relevant to the understanding of what's happening here in Mark 6. I'm just going to look at one of them. This is from Isaiah 43. So remember, it's part of this new Exodus section that Mark has already told you is relevant to the gospel. So Isaiah 43, and really it's, it's a, a you know, long chapter. You should read the whole thing. I'm not going to read all of it. But here's how it starts off. Listen to this. And it's talking about the future. But now, thus says the Lord, who created you, O Jacob, and he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. What does Jesus say as he's passing by them? Do not be afraid. It's the same phrase in Greek, fear not. And that statement is made more than once in Isaiah 43. So God says to these, uh, uh, through the prophet Isaiah, regarding this future new exodus, don't worry, Jacob, you know, fear not, right? I have redeemed you. And then it goes on, I have called you by your name, you are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. So here is the Lord telling them, do not fear. When you pass through the waters, I'll be with you. Now, would you be surprised, Al, and I know you wouldn't be because you probably already know this, but would you be surprised or would your viewers be surprised if in this same context, God goes on to refer to himself as I am? In Greek, ego emi, right? In this same context, if you go down, for example, to uh, uh, verse 10, it says, You are my witnesses, says the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen, that you may know and believe and understand that I am, 
in, in Hebrew, anihu, in Greek, ego me. Before me there was no God formed, nor shall there be after me. I, even I, am the Lord, and beside me there is no Savior. I have declared and saved, I have proclaimed, and there was no foreign God among you. Therefore, you are my witnesses, says the Lord, that I am God. Indeed, before the day was, I am, and there is no, no one who can deliver out of my hand. I work, and who will reverse it? Thus says the Lord, your Redeemer, and, and the text goes on. Amen. So notice this. This is part and parcel of Isaiah's new Exodus section in his, in his prophecy. It's talking about God being with his people in the future, delivering them through the waters, being with them. They don't need to be afraid. He calls himself the I Am. This is echoing the original Exodus, but it's looking forward to a new Exodus. All of these themes are picked up in Mark chapter 6 when Jesus delivers the disciples from the sea. Amen. So beautiful uh, you know, connections with the Old Testament. Uh, and it shows you then not only that Muslims, Unitarians, liberals who read Mark's gospel in a very flat-footed way, ignorant of the Old Testament background and what Mark's doing, uh, it not only shows you that they're wildly out of step with what's going on here in this gospel, but it also should increase your confidence and your viewers' confidence, all of our confidence, in the inspiration of, of Scripture, the, the coherence of Scripture, the beauty of Scripture, in, in how all these things cohere with each other and you know, show us that this was the program from day one. It also shows you, uh, you know, God's wisdom in in planning all of this. You know, Amen. And, and I could go on with that. Uh, but uh, oh, absolutely, brother. I mean, I uh, one of my other favorite uh, pericopes also. It's earlier in Mark in chapter two. You know the story of the paral- paralytic that his uh, friends basically opened, uh, you know, a section in the roof. Uh, they lowered him down. It says Jesus looked at him and says, "Son." Your sins are forgiven. Here, Jesus, of course, is clearly stating that he is God who has the ability to forgive sin. And immediately it says that the Pharisees or the religious authorities basically were troubled and says, who can forgive man except God? But they were saying this in their heart, it says. Yet Jesus knew, it says, in his spirit what was going on. So he has to be omniscient. He has to be omnipresent among all of them. To know what was going on in their hearts. It wasn't one person. It was multiple, you know, in the plural, basically. And then he demonstrated his omnipotent when he says, stand up and walk. He just spoke the word and he stood, you know, and became healed and walked. So you can see these omni attributes, you know, over and over again in the gospel of Mark. Anything else you want to add to that? Yeah, yeah. Quickly, one is one thing that's found frequently in Mark is Jesus' authority over the demons. Now, you know from the Gospels themselves that exorcisms were not uh, novel in Israel. Remember, Jesus said to the religious leaders when they said uh, he was casting out demons by Beelzebul, he says, well, then who, whom do your sins cast them out by, right? And, but what's interesting is the contrast between how they did so in the first century and how Jesus does so. This is also noted in the Gospels. They don't tell us how the religious leaders thought they could do this, mm-hmm. but when you look at first century material, it tells you that they would do all sorts of things. You know, they would pray, uh, they would go through all these rituals, they would basically try and, you know, scare the demon off kind of thing. What stood out about Jesus was his unprecedented authority. He could simply speak, and the demons had to obey him, 
right? It, it, that's what the people say in the gospel accounts. They say, who is this that even the demons listen to him? Exactly. Right? And in fact, that's a catchphrase in Mark that people shouldn't miss. It says, uh, the demons listened to him, right? Who is this man that even the demons listened to him? Who is this man that even the winds and the waves listened to him? In Mark chapter 9, on the Mount of Transfiguration, the Father says of the Son to the disciples, this is my beloved Son, listen to him. Now, why is that important? Well, it's because of what we already said about Exodus 23. Remember what God said about the Malach Yahweh, right? I'm going to send him ahead of you. You are to listen to him, right? So that phrase, too, is pregnant with significance. It comes from the Old Testament and moreover from the Exodus uh, time period. So Absolutely. Exodus motifs all throughout Mark, uh, highlighting Christ's deity, and also, you know, helping us to see s- the the work that Christ is coming to perform. Because even though these, these events are sort of a recapitulation of what Jesus or the Lord did at the Exodus, these are really just uh, setting things up for the exodus that Jesus is going to accomplish, mm-hmm. right? I may have s- sort of misled people, making them think, you know, the deliverance at the sea by Jesus is the new exodus. No, this just shows that he was the original one who delivered Israel from the sea at the exodus. The real new exodus work is when Jesus is going to pass through the baptismal waters of death, right? In, in Mark 10, Jesus said to the disciples, can you be baptized with the baptism with which I'm going to be baptized? He was referring to his coming death on the cross. Exactly. When he passed through death and then emerged alive on the other side and then ascended, not Mount Sinai, but ascended into heaven itself to the hill of the Lord. And so that's the true new Exodus. In fact, one last point. Absolutely. This is the point that Luke makes explicitly in his gospel account at the Transfiguration. When Elijah and Moses appear to Jesus at the Transfiguration, Mark only tells us that they were talking with Jesus. Luke tells us what they were talking about. And it literally says in the Greek, they were talking about Jesus' coming exodus, mm-hmm. his coming departure. So new exodus all over the place. Absolutely, absolutely. And brother, you know, we're approaching the last two minutes. I want to recap here, but please do stay with us. Uh, Hopefully, uh, brother David Wood will join us uh, after the conclusion of this one. Of course, uh, those of you who are watching this live with us here in studios, this is basically our live stream with brother Anthony Rogers. We are talking about the Christology of Mark. And, um, you know, in the first part, which is uh, you know, we do it in two parts because it also accommodates our radio listeners for Let Us Reason podcast. First part meaning week one, second part right now meaning week two for them. We've been talking about how Mark and his gospel clearly revealed and stated to us the divinity of Christ by heavily quoting from the Old Testament and also giving us a lot of allusions to the Old Testament and to the Exodus accounts and other accounts as well concerning God, Yahweh, the I Am, and how Jesus has these omni-attributes in many of his actions that were demonstrated to us in the Gospel of Mark. This is intended to be a teaser, by the way. Myself and Anthony, sometimes in the fall, we are going to end up doing a video series on this particular topic. And as a result of this, I asked, uh, you know, Anthony to come and join us today, and he 
uh, you know, graciously agreed to do this and also suggested that maybe we can talk about this particular topic so that we can give you a glimpse of what is being planned uh, to be discussed. Of course, um, it is extremely important for all of us as Christians to understand how we can defend the divinity of Christ, not just from the Gospel of John, by the way. Uh, Jesus is divine, even in Old Testament. You know, one can make that argument and show you that he is divine there without even touching the New Testament. But even when we get to the New Testament, there is this claim that somehow only John, the Gospel of John, reveals his divinity, and rather we see high Christology also in Mark, and I would argue you can see it in Luke, and you can also see it in Matthew. So we need to be very careful if these claims are made to us, especially from our Muslim friends who somehow are being misled to believe in such a claim as well. Brother, uh, it was a, a privilege to have you. I am so thankful that you've agreed to be with us. We are concluding our part two of our podcast, but stay uh, tuned, uh, by the way. And those of you who are joining us live, please stay with us because we will interact with you and see if you have any questions while we're waiting for Brother David to join us in the next live stream. Again, this is Al Fadi, and this was our Let Us Reason live stream and also podcast. Uh, thank you, Brother Anthony. Thank you, everyone. Over and out. God bless you, and we'll come back shortly. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.